what's up, what's up, y'all? What's up, what's going on? It is your boy, Lita Johnson, and this is a special Me and My Pops podcast. You know, work with me, my pops passed July 9th. And everything's been, you know, hard, but, you know, you always push me to be strong. This is my best friend. It's all about a man that, you know, I mean, was always there. You know, always, we talk about everything. You know, if if, if you, we disagreed, you know, it was always a point proven with him. Even if he disagreed, you know, it was crazy. Like, even if he disagreed, it was a point. And when he disagreed, <laughs> when you disagreed, when it was crazy, man. It was like, um... You know, in sports, that was big for me. And we come back into sports. We're going to talk some Sixers since we bring it in with that. That was a song he always told me about. You know, he always talked about the Sixers when they won in 83. Um, when they went to the finals against uh, the, the Portland Trailblazers. When they had uh, George McGinnis and everybody and Doug Collins. And they lost. And Doug, Doug Collins got punched in the jaw. I think uh, Daryl Dawkins was swinging, he said. And, and he had hit him or something like that. And they had... Uh, you know, Irvin, and then, you know, that team was supposed to win, and at the, and Collins was out, Pop was like, that was it. Like, then they lost, I think it was like four in a row. Listen, I just remember so many stories, right? So if I'm getting some a little, I'm just trying to run through y'all. Like, uh, the 83 Sixers, he remember when, you know, Moses said, fo, fo, fo. And that was the story he was, like, talking about, like, um, talking about how good Moses was and him coming out of high school. And, um, how good Doc was, you know. Doc was the Doc was the guy. Doc was the guy. Like he, that was his guy, Dr. J. That was his guy. To this day. Like nobody, I mean, he'll tell you who's really better, who's really the greatest, but his favorite is the Doc. That was it. That was Philly. That was Philadelphia Michael Jordan. Like that's why I tell people about Dr. J, like, you know, the, the history I learned, you know, because once I heard something, you know, I, I like to read anyway. You know, I like to, I'm a good writer. I love, always love to write. So once, you know, I, I was always in it when my pop was in it. So I, I became a historian. And so, you know, learning about Doc and seeing his tapes, like everybody talking about Zion and Michael Jordan, like Doc was that. It, don't talk about oh he couldn't shoot. Come on, Doc. Nobody could stop Doc. No, no matter what his game was, who was stopping it? He was one of the most unstoppable players in the NBA. Wasn't nothing like him when he came out. So of course you see the evolution of everybody else and what they can do. But Doc was the start of that. You know he brought excitement, the real excitement, and, and elite play to the NBA. You know by the time he got to the NBA. You know, his years, he had so many elite years in the NBA, but he also had great elite years in the ABA. Virginia Squires, and he won titles with the New York Nets. And you can't say those are not good leagues because those were professionals. A lot of those guys in the, in, is in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, you're looking at how Connie Hawkins and Dan Issel all played. George McGinnis, they played in the ABA. You know, um, you're talking about some serious ballers, like serious guys that dominated. So, it's a little different, you know, we're looking at that. But let's talk about the Sixers now and where we go with Ben Simmons, all right? And, you know, Pop always liked Ben Simmons, I mean. And he, he liked, he always had a, he was mad with Joel Embiid. <laughs> he was why he played. And it was all real. I think Joel Embiid, I still think his numbers is dominant. You're talking about the Sixers, man. We're talking about 23 and 12 type of season. Like, 
that season alone, some guys can't even, especially getting 12 rebounds and 23 points, but the type of player he is, you're looking for more from him. And because those are Hall of Fame numbers. If he can average that for his for his career, those are Hall of Fame numbers. But he's so much more better than that. And this has to happen with the Sixers. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, somebody can't exist. These are two great players. But what you're doing is you're – it's kind of like the, the Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. I think management also wasn't cool enough and tight enough to keep those guys together because it was it was trouble inside the locker room. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are good and cool. They're, they're kids – basically, and, and they're leading a franchise. You know how hard that is? That's LeBron James when he first got with Cleveland. You know, I mean, don't ask AI because he made it look easy. He was a sophomore when he left Georgetown. You know, so I just think, and then the, the bench is what really gives Philadelphia its run. I think we could talk about Tobias Harris. Nobody's even talking about how much of a sniper he was and losses or wins. And Josh Richardson was hurt. You know, um, Joel Embiid hurt. So you have to understand, especially the Josh Richardson effect, you need everybody on the floor when you're talking about the best starting five in the league. So if one guy leaves the Philadelphia 76ers, it kind of puts a damp in it because Josh Richardson, everything they talked about with Al Horford, to have Josh Richardson there, it makes Al Horford's job easier. You know, he has to do things now that y'all looking for him to do that he he wasn't there to do. You're supposed to have that five. So when he got took off, it was kind of different. And Joel Embiid getting hurt, it takes away from the game. You know, to think about guys that got hurt during a season that wasn't supposed to, you know, that it's going to mess up. That five is the nucleus. So one guy leaving, I know your people are saying this and that, but it's different when you got your assortment of guys you're expected to have. It just knocks it off. You know, because they can win games without having chemistry with that much talent. But once one guy leaves, then you start seeing some exposure. Because now Al Horford has to be something that he's not. And, you know, Joel Embiid was playing soft to me. I just feel like he was a little soft. I just think he needs to. It could have been an injury. Maybe I don't know. But he wasn't as aggressive, period. And it's not his three-pointer because three-point percentage has went up. Everybody talking about he got to shoot outside. Stop listening to analysts. I hate fake analysts. Stop because I hear it by analysts. Then I'm on something hearing it from fan. If he, they never said that, you would have never said that type of – nobody says that. Oh, now uh, Ben Simmons doesn't have a jump shot. It makes Joel – who who said who says stuff like that? Analysts say stuff like that. There's no way I'm going to believe any fan is going to say that. I'm sorry. This is, listen, when you say stuff, you say, MB can't shoot. That's what fans say. MB can't shoot. He don't need to shoot. You don't say nothing about nobody going to the hole and, and messing anything up. You don't say that. You don't say nobody not having no jump shot. Kyle O'Quinn is another, is, a big, is another guy I think they need to give more time to. If you're having doubts about Horford, plug another guy in and let him play. Kyle Quinn's been playing good every time he comes in. He can pass. He's he's a hard guy to to play against. He's gonna be, he's a good defender. He can shoot. He's not afraid to shoot. Throughout mid range, you know, he's not afraid to shoot. He's not afraid to shoot from the outside. He's just the type of guy that can play basketball. It's not gonna be a Hall of Famer. He's gonna be a guy that's gonna play for a long time. Cause he can play basketball. We need him in there. I, I really believe it's the underrated factor. You know, let MB get some rest, let Horford get some rest. He can play both center or power forward. If you don't, because that size of the four, you always put Mike Scott over there. 
It's time to start letting Kylo Quinn get some backup power for a time. I really feel like that's a, a source that should happen. And then we're talking Alec Burke with Corkmise and now Milton. Listen, I, the Ben Simmons thing, okay? I was going to get to that. Listen, that lineup is dangerous. Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris. People say, well, I thought he was more of a small forward anyway. Tobias can play both of them equally good. It's just he's more of a mismatch problem at the three because of his size. And then Ben Simmons, he's just a different. Now, if you're putting him at power forward, the thing is this. He's still going to be a point power forward. He's still going to bring the ball up. Shake Milton will at times bring the ball up while Ben Simmons posts up. The thing is that I'm looking at this right. The only reason they're doing this is because you can't put Shake at the three. You just, even though he's 6'5", you can't do that because it creates a mismatch. They would rather, knowing Ben Simmons can guard any position and Shake guard his regular position at 6'5", now he becomes... Now, he becomes a mismatch for uh, point guards, but, you know, this day and age, point guards are almost that size. You know, looking at Lonzo Ball, looking at, um, um, look at they got Luka at the point now. And James Harden played the point at one time. Russell, but these guys, you have to be 6'5". Now, Ben Simmons is the ultimate mismatch as a point guard. So, let's put it like this. That's a great lineup with Shake Milton, um, Josh Richardson, Ben Simmons. That's, a, that's an unbelievable lineup. Then you can bring, but that's not going to be the. I don't. I'm telling you now, I don't see that as a start lineup. I don't see that as. Don't be surprised. Like, oh, he's going to listen. He said that's a lineup to put in there. It gets Shake Milton. You just know this. Shake Milton's going to get absolutely all types of time off the bench. All types of time off the bench. That's looking great for Shake Milton. Some people will say Al Horford off the bench. I don't think that's going to happen. Not with Josh Richardson back. Josh Richardson gives Al Horford and MB somebody to give it to that's going to be a go-getter. I mean, he's, the, he's another underrated guy. That's the underrated guy on the start five because Josh Richardson can do so much with the ball. He can also bring the ball up. You're looking at Josh Richardson be the, the, the point guard when Ben Simmons is the, you know, you know, bringing the ball up when Ben Simmons is playing point and you got Tobias Harris. And Al Horford, it's a different story. Everything was running great, way better. Even in what when Josh Richardson is there, he takes a when he's not there, he takes a lot away from the Sixers. He really takes a lot away on both ends of the floor. So that gives the Sixers, and then if this if this happens right, this is an if. But my prediction is it don't. I don't see it. It hasn't been announced. He would have said it. He just told you that they look, he's the fastest man, this and that. And for, listen, check this out. If it does happen, right, we got Ben Simmons, Al Horford backing up one person, Thibault at the small forward, Kyle Quinn looks great, right? Al, Alec Burke. And then I guess we go with Neto. Neto would be the point guard. You could definitely make him a point guard. It doesn't take nothing away. It just tells you how, how many guys are going to start getting, they're going to trust in Neto. They're going to trust in Shake Milton. They're going to trust in Alec Burke. Uh, Glenn Robinson III is also going to get some time. Um, um, and that's another thing you got to understand. Glenn Robinson III has to play some three. You know, Dybul could play some four because he can defend the four. Mike Scott could play the four. He has the size to play the four. You know, defend the four, play the four. You know, tough guy. You got those two guys basically commanding the four slot. Glenn Robinson III at the three, and he, and he could get some, listen, he gets run, he can get run at the four, because 
Now Ford gonna have to defend him. He's a physical dude, so it gives the Sixers that. I feel in in a big way that the Sixers are, are are the champions because not the champions of this year, but the champions in the Eastern Conference because of the length they have. And I've always emphasized this. And they always needed some scores, right? Everybody talking about shooters, shooters, shooters. Alec Burke can score from anywhere on the floor. Glenn Robinson is a better shooter than Alec Burke. You get two young scores. That's the great thing. Glenn Robinson III was a five-star out of high school. You know, Burke good in, the high school, in college. I mean, listen, you're talking about Burke was a solidified, a, 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 um, a guy who solidified being a starter. Glenn Robinson III was another guy. He was really excelling. At Golden State, like he, he did things at Indiana, you don't understand the type of players that they have on this bench. With those two guys, now you got Cork Myers, then you got Milton, then you got Scott, then you got Thibault. Cause Scott is the four. Scott's the guy getting the four. It's all going to be certain matchups. Certain get, they're going to put that line about in a lot of games. But they're still going to have Ben Simmons at point guard. It's a lineup. They need that lineup. And what that lineup does is that it, um, that lineup, it crucifies all types of other lineups because you don't have, you don't have another you don't have another um, power forward like Ben Simmons. Been a lot of disrespect toward Ben Simmons, so this grant is going to be big for the Sixers. Now, when I come back, we're going to talk about um, some Villanova. Uh, we're going to throw in some Eagles. You know, we're going to throw in that, but we're going to talk some Villanova, some, some Penn State. You know, we got that coming up, you know, when we come back here on File the Leader. Right here, this song was Earth and the Fire. And if any of y'all old cats and got on here and educate your sons, Earth and the Fire was my pop favorite group, man. It was always on when when Earth and the Fire came. That was his group. War, Mandrill, Earth and the Fire, Bill uh, Scott Heron. Um, a lot of people. Let me see. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Let, me, let, me, let me get it. Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye became my favorite singer because of it. This is called After the Love is Gone. It's one of the songs they used to play all the time. I mean, or. Hmm. 
one of those type of joints. And Pop used to cook, Pop cook, Pop clean, Pop, Pop, you know what I mean? Pop teach you about life, Pop teach you that the best revenge is success. He always told me, look at the glass half full, you know, uh, one of those type of people that, you know, in my life it was it was more easy to be his son. It was easy to be his son because he was just that cool to be around, you know what I mean? So, you know, you used to talk about all types of things, man. Like, like I could talk about anything with Pop, anything. I remember one time, man, you, you come in the house, right? He'd be like, he'll say something like some big word. He'd be like, what's that? He'd be like, you don't know what that is? Go look in the dictionary. <laughs> Go look in the dictionary. Then he used to put on, you know, he was always for, you know, music. That was his thing, right? So music was, was like the key to a lot. You know, our family loved music. Our family loved music. So when you used to put on this track right here. You old cats know that that's fantasy by Earth, Wind, and Fire right there. All right, welcome back. To the Fowler Leader Podcast, man. We here with Leader Johnson and Villanova. What is Villanova? They got a fantasy. <laughs> what is going on? I'm gonna I'm say this. I'm gonna say this. Now, seriously, it's kind of amazing the recruiting, like like the recruiting picks, man. I just want to be un- unbelievable with it. I'm going to speak some big, big, unbelievable words. Like, listen, we're going to say stuff like domination, competition, and motivation. Because I say domination because I think that's where they're going. It's just the type of players they're getting. And it's, it's the type of type of athletes. These guys, can they can play multiple positions too. You know, a lot of these uh, guys they're getting in the last three years. But then you look at um, competition because they're going to be that to – like this is not where they at in the CAA. Like, eventually, eventually you're gonna see, you're gonna see um, Villanova start to kind of like tip the scale of competition, and then motivation is like because I'm saying that because the coaches, the coaches, man, you know they they make it fun. They make it fun in Villanova. Villanova football. Ola Adams and Nathan Nathan Pagan. Let's talk. I want to talk. I want to talk. Really exclusively, we we got. I want I want to get into the Villanova receiving class real quick. But first, we're gonna talk about Shane Hartzell. Shane Hartzell is a um, linebacker they got. They've been recruiting for a minute. Shane Hartzell, to me, like see, they've been recruiting them, but I was wondering when things was really gonna happen. Like, and there was one guy I never. I did I talked about a little bit. Talked try to keep up with him. Pennsylvania prospect, um, 5'11", 207 linebacker um, from Penn Ridge High School in Perkins, Pennsylvania, 2021. Big, I think the, the stars ain't coming. It's crazy. But, hey, it is what it is, right? 
Can we just learn to just like opinions? And that's what I'm going to do. But this is another guy that I'm, I was just like, I'm thinking about how good he is. And I'm just like, we need this guy. I remember. And another guy, um, there's a couple other guys, like Elijah Spencer was one and Miles Cross. I, I mean, I just love their talent. I didn't think we was like really hurting, uh, you know, yeah, I'm saying we, because I didn't did enough of this from Nova Radio to say any any of my teams, Pennsylvania, if I mess with you, listen, top of the barrel, we. But um, linebacker, let's get on this real quick and how um, he played the linebacker position. Now, he's a little hurt. In three games, he had 22 tackles, I mean 30 total tackles, my fault, 22 solo. And then he had seven for a loss. Now, he had three sacks, and that was just in three games. Like, that's kind of, you know what I mean? You think about that. He caused two fumbles. But the year before, he had 176 tackles, 97 solo. 97 solo, and he had 23 tackles for a loss. He averaged 16 tackles a game. And he had four sacks. But as you can see in the three games played, he was headed towards something else in sacks. That's what gives you, you know, his senior year has got to be the senior year a lot of people should be hype about. Um, and then INT, and he caused three fumbles, you know, uh, in 18-19. Now, what he, what he gives for Lenovo, like, because Lenovo needs that. The linebacking core is the most core I'm worried about. It's the core I'm worried about. I'm very worried about, because it was a lot of guys that left the, a couple of guys that left the linebacker. That linebacker core was suited and booted. Like, they was one of the best, like, you're looking at cornerbacks, but at a time when, you know, Ed Shockey was there, Andrew, Andrew Riley was there, it was a lot of guys producing at the linebacker position. Now, he gives them something else. Now, you're looking at Gianna, Gianni Watson, Woodson Brooks, and Jason Henderson. Now, the crazy part is, can both of those guys come in? Will, this room... Nova would definitely take him. Nova would definitely take though. Listen, and then you know some things are being heard from coaches we don't hear. You know when they make the final decision, and um, you lose out on two guys, but then you make other offers. Like you miss out on two guys, and then. The Mouse Cross and um, Elijah, Troy Lewis is another third guy. Troy Lewis committed to another school. So they had three good receivers. Now, Irene Najee Baniza, if I'm saying that right, Najee Baniza. Now, I, the crazy part is there was tape already put out on him last year. And I see tape of guys and, 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 and you know, watch them. And, I, you know, I saw the guys. I see so many good players, though. You see so much tape. You see so many good players. But he had this elusiveness on him. Like, he's the type of guy, you got to really look at how this guy plays. Like, when he get the ball in space, and, and what they're doing, what Villanova's doing with Ray Jerron Pringle and Irene, well, he's not with Villanova, but recruiting a guy like I, I, Irene Najibanita and – um having Dupree Bryant, guys that are small but can get in the space. They're, they're, they're all elusive backs. They're all elusive, I mean, excuse me, receivers. Look at that. All elusive. And you're looking at this class, right? Let's start. Now let's get on Nathan Pagan, the guy who, with Ryan Bell and Summers and Benjil, like he, he always, he really worked the tight end room real good. 
Now, looking at receiving now, since he's been in there, look what's happened with Changa Hodge and Jaron Hyatt. As soon as he gets on there, it was on. It was time. Like, he wastes no time if you're a playmaker. Then, um, you look at, um, Javon Jones and Des Boykins. Like, those are the experienced guys. I know you people are looking there, but I think those are the two guys to focus on. They're, they're the experience. Uh, Javon Jones is a good athlete. He can make plays, prove he can make plays. Possession-type receiver with size. Um, Des Boykin can explode. The small guy, that, that's that's your four. No matter who you got, Dupree Bryant or Jaquan Allen, who redshirted, you bring those two together, bring them up in the system. I just think I love those two. You can say whoever you, whoever you want, but those two guys are the future of Villanova with Jaron Hayek. My fault. But I'm just saying, Jaron Hayek make, make you think he's a senior. You see how this man playing? Jaron Hayek is going to have a season unbelievable next year because the chemistry with Smith. And then you look at how it's scary what those two can do. That's scary. Look at those. Listen, Hayek at one time was having a better season than, than Hodge. Even though Hodge was still producing, Hayek was hot like fire. And then Hodge has separated himself from a lot of receivers in, in, in the CAA. He might not be the best, but he's one of the top 10 best in the CAA. That's it. It is what it is. And when he got that 200-yard game in a big game, he's a top five caliber receiver in the FCS. So then there's Boykin. I would like to see him use more. He's just such an explosive weapon. He can do a lot in space, whether, you know, you, you, you run the ball with him, toss it to him on screens. And Javon Jones, I just want I think he's just going to get open. If he's healthy, he's he's out there getting open. Now, if you look at other guys, uh, Dupree Bryant, I feel like he can get some snaps this year. I think he's definitely going to get some snaps. It is what it is. We'll see what happens. And you better watch, like, the competition in camp now with guys like that. Ray Jawan Pringle is another good guy. He's really an explosive guy in space. Like, I didn't realize, I, I liked him, his tape, you know, but I wasn't ex- as excited about him as I am now. Like, see in space and then, you know, see him, you know, do what he does. Like, um, I just feel like it's so much more to him. You know, it's so much more to him as a receiver. And he's dangerous. Put him in space. Like, I remember him coming out of high school, and I said, this guy is something fast. But I wasn't as excited until, you know, I started seeing him give him some snaps. And I was like, ooh, man. he. It's times when he didn't get the ball where defenders was, he was leaving them. Like, he's a good weapon. I'm really, I want to see what happens with him. Andrew Perez is another guy that walked on that I feel like can can play hard. He has good hands. Real good hands. Dan Serino's a hard worker. Another walk-on that I feel like can catch the ball uh, with that team. Real good high school. But it's some good talent now. It's like last year, last class, um, you were looking at certain guys that were getting recruited, right? Dupree Brown was one of them. Now, the one guy this year, Christian Sapp. Christian Sapp, man. And we talking about, I'm not even going to get on Ethan yet. It's two commits in a couple of days. I'm not going to get on Ethan. I'm not going to get on Ethan yet until you talk about Christian Sapp. Christian Sapp in space, or or he could burn you, or he can run right. He can be a number one type receiver, even at his size. 5'11", 5'10", 5'11". 
you look look at bigger receivers now, but he's a type of guy. He can really burn. He can he can really make plays. He's exciting. He can make play receiver or return the ball. Equally, I think give him as many chances to get the ball as possible. Put the ball in his hands. Let him just do things. Uh, Ethan Carr, man. What, what do you say about a guy like that? Like, he's a real good athlete. They want to put him at quarterback. He can make it happen. I, I'm serious. Like, he's a quarterback. Put him on the depth chart as a running back, quarterback, and receiver. Straight up. And he will produce. I think he will be a good – he will produce at receiver. He can produce real good at quarterback or running back. Like, he, he's – I think if you put him at linebacker, you know, I think he can do things there. I think he's a real good football player, and he can be an all-CAA performer. That was, it was a good pickup. I, I mean, they was recruiting him, and a car was high on him, but I remember interviewing both guys. But you got to see how things go on. They had, they had um, James Jackson. They had gave him an offer, you know. It, it's a lot going on, typically, in the process of uh, Villanova with his receivers. Then, oh, we forget, you get Daniel Lopez. Now, this is two guys that are 6'2". You get size and you get, you know, explosion. Like, you get some offensive firepower for guys like Ricky Ortega, Connor Watkins, and Quadri. If I was a quarterback on that team, I'd feel thrilled because you're going off into, you know, the sunset with some with some talent. On this recruiting class, you're riding off to the sunset with some talent. Now, the fourth guy, they want four receivers. They obviously, listen, they offered a receiver after getting a, a, a athlete commit that's going to play receiver in Ethan Carr. That lets you know how important they want more weapons around this quarterback. They know now with weapons around a quarterback, all types of things can happen. And that's what makes Villanova scary for the future. You got firepower in this generation of football and basketball, firepower, you know, with, 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 with NBA, it's a lot of shooting going on, right? A lot of shooters. When people want to shoot, it makes it easy to shoot. The rules make it, the rules in football make it easy for receivers to catch. So you should be scared with size and explosion. Um, also, um, the receiver, I mean, the tight end, and Antonio Jones, Johnson is a big, big. If they can get him, see that that's the one. I'm like, oh man, if they can get him, two three star tight ends and two two classes. I mean, and these guys like Mitchell Bothwell's good, but Antonio Johnson is better. If you could put both these guys in the in the tight end together, who gonna stop them? Okay, listen. Talking about Villanova's line, um, core of players and what they do at receiver is is frightening almost. I just think what you come in with now, and when you're waiting for Irene to commit, knock be not excuse me, knock knock and I'm gonna have to get with him and talk to him and get this right because when you see a person tape. They don't say their name, all right? So y'all got to get off of me with that, all right? So listen, Irene comes through with this team, and 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 you put him. You put Najee with this team. That's what I'm going to call Najee. You put Najee with this team. You put Najee, and you put um. Put Najee, and you put um, Ethan Carr, and you put Christian Sapp. 
and you got Daniel Lopez. It's four receivers, and it's crazy because I didn't think, I did not once think that they would. I knew, I said at the beginning, anybody go back to my t- tweets, I said they're going aggressive at receiver. I didn't think four. They want total, and, and they're going after Antonio John. They're going after a tight end. I think they're going to offer another tight end. If if this guy doesn't, I mean, I think another guy's definitely in the works. Now, you want to know about recruiting? Monte Fitz, Miguel Jackson. Miguel Jackson's another guy I don't talk about on Twitter. It's another target they're after. Um, Bryce Stansfield, Bryce Ganius, and Sam Hedrick. That's five guys. Oh, oh excuse me. Excuse me. That's one other guy I didn't even think of. It's another guy I didn't even think of. Um, Mikael Jackson. That I, you know I mean, I've been trying to follow his recruitment, see what's going on. But it's been other guys that have been popping up that are hot on for, for, in Villanova's tracks as recruiting. And then I forget, Mikael Jackson's another one. Akina Ugbaji is another guy. That um, I just don't think it's gonna happen. But if you want me to th- honestly, Villanova's being being very smart, very confident, and very aggressive, and it's making a statement because they want to make an impression. To make an impression on them is is one thing. They're gonna make an impression on them. I mean, I just don't think that Michigan. If Michigan is in the fold, and I and I went to this, Michigan does want them. If Michigan's in the fold, I feel like he goes to Michigan. Among all those schools, I don't think Villanova can take, but for Villanova to challenge a, a D1 school of that caliber, and, and all the other D1 schools on there, it says a lot. Villanova's going after to make this impression on other recruits. So you know, you look at guys they go to school with him, and he'd be like, "Man, Villanova's a good school." If I was, you know, if I was, you know, getting wasn't getting these offers, or wasn't getting that, or wasn't over here getting these offers, I go to Villanova, and that's going to make them even bigger on the scene. But Akina likes him. I, I did my interview with him. He likes Villanova. He likes Villanova. It's like, you know, right now, um, he's loving that offer. So, surprises happen. I just don't see it happening. Monte Fitz, Bryce Ganius, Bryce Stansfield, Sam Hedrick, Miguel Jackson. Oh, yeah, all those guys can go. And Miguel Jackson is a beast right there. A beast out of Pennsylvania. I could see him committing. I see Sam Hedrick committing. And Stansfield committing too. Will they take a Bryce Scanius? We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. He's an athlete. He can play defensive line, offensive line. Okay, so we'll see if... And, and right now, it looks like Villanova might be done or not. So when we come back, we'll talk more into the Villanova, into the Eagles when we get back here on Follow the Leader.
Marvin Gaye. Yeah, that's my pop's guy there, man. That's why he's my favorite singer all time. You know, when I started listening to him, I came up off him before I even listened to hip-hop, anything. And Marvin Gaye was just more than just a singer. You know, he made sung messages, and then, you know, he had all the, the best love songs in the game. You know, <laughs> he had the best love song. But um, get back to, um, here we're going to talk about, um, let's get into the Eagles real quick. Listen to the Sean Jackson thing. It's a little crazy. Before we get back to Villanova, the Sean, my, my pop always talked about when the Eagles won, uh, went to the, uh, the Super Bowl, you know, the same year, um, if I'm mistaken. I shouldn't I shouldn't be wrong on this, 83, when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and the Sixers won. Um, that was a big time. That was a big time. And, you know, Pop always talked about Wilbur Montgomery. And he always liked Harold Carmichael. He talked about Ron Jaworski, you know, um, we, Bill Burgey, um, guys like that, Jerry Sizemore. Um, he talked about Chuck Begnerick. He talked, he, you know, he's born in 52. He talked about when the Eagles won the championships when they had Steve Van Buren and Tommy McDonald, you know. Uh, he talked about that. And I became an eagle for life. That was just what it was. My time was the Cunningham time when Cunningham was the ultimate weapon. You know, Buddy Ryan had them offenses with no, no, no them, them defenses, but he ain't had no offensive line. Had Cunningham running around like a chicken with his head cut off. We're going to have another segment. You know, we're going to lean into Villanova in the second segment. And um, we put the eagles here. Um, Deshaun Jackson, has had to, he had to apologize. He had to. I feel like he had to. Um, I had told my pop when he was in the hospital, about him and Pop shook his head like, "Oh God, why he do that?" You know, and um, this is one of the times I went to see him. You know, my Pop was on ventilators and stuff, and he um, he he got his toes amputated, and then um, he um had nerve surgery. You know, because he had to get the blood flow in his legs, and once that happened, the uh, he still had gangrene on his toes, and um. You know, he was about to leave. You know, after a couple of you know some, some you know some days, he's about to leave. He's about to let him go. He's gonna do um, uh, therapy at home. You know, physical therapy. And then I got the call that he had um, he had um, massive heart attack. And I was over at my aunt Carol's house washing my clothes, and I rushed to the hospital. I was it was on fifty uh, on Fifty Second Street. And then, um, if anybody knows, you know, 34, you know, I caught it immediately and, and I went to, uh, Penn Presbyterian, you know, they was telling me two days was critical. He wasn't going to make it. And, um, some people make it, but some, you know, just be prepared. And so, you know, the, 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 I to hear that was crazy. And, um, sorry, to, you know, if this is giving people gloom and stuff, I just, you know, need to talk about it, you know. So, you know, um, uh, Pops is always a fighter. Eventually, he didn't need the heart. He had machines helping him breathe. That was the only reason he was breathing. So they, he ended up, his heart ended up beating again. So they ended up giving him major heart surgery, which was a worry thing, considering the other surgery made him have a heart attack. And he, he, was, he, was, he was recovering. He was recovering. He was doing it. And... Um, You know, he was getting he was getting better, and he ended up moving him out to ICU. 
So, you know, that night I talked to him so, so for a long time, man. We was, it was a good talk. You know, he was talking about, I want you to listen to this. He had some classical music he was playing. And, um, you know, I, I wanted him to squeeze this, think this, this pressure ball because they said there wasn't no a blood getting to his um, his hand. So I was like, yeah, I, you know, my Aunt Kara bought him this pressure ball, so I had him squeezing it. And then I, I took it away from him and then let him move his hand. So, you know, they wanted him to excise their hand, you know. And I said, squeeze it, Pop, like George Foreman when he hit Mike, Michael Moore, you know. Because Michael Moore was fighting George Foreman. We had watched their fight. And George Foreman became the oldest heavyweight champion of all time. And, and Michael Moore was giving it to him. And then he was playing, though. He, should, he, should, he shouldn't have been playing with George Foreman. George Foreman hit him with that one good hit. And it was over with for Michael Moore. You couldn't see nothing. Just nothing but stars. And when I told my pop that to squeeze his hand like he George Foreman, he smiled for me. I hadn't seen him smile since he was there. You know, he wanted to get out of the hospital. He didn't want to be there. And then, uh, you know, I talked with him. We... We talked, and uh, I went. I went home. I was always going home past the visiting hours. It was six, but I was staying at six thirty, six forty. And um, I went home like two o'clock. Well, I went to sleep like two o'clock that morning because I really didn't want to leave. Pop never wanted to leave him. And um, I went home. And my sister gave me a call. It was about probably like 5.30. And she said, Pop, heart stopped beating. Get, get to the hospital. Jumped out the bed. I was gone. And I get there. They said, the doctor gives you that talk, man, you don't ever want to hear in your life. You, you know it, too, when somebody tell you, the doctor want to talk to you. And... Told me he was ninety nine percent dead, and um, he they resuscitated him twice. He had no blood to his no air to his brain for an hour, and um, a decision had to be made. My sister made a decision. You know, they said if he survived, he would be uh, eating out of. A, a breathing, uh, eating out a tube in his stomach and, and breathing out a tube in his neck. You know, my sister. You know, you know, no more pain. You know, we thought, uh, we thought, you know, that um, we didn't want him to suffer anymore. So it had to be done. You know, and I get, you know, as a my pop ain't want to be, he ain't, he ain't want, his wishes was not to be, you know, in that state. He just let me go. So, at the fighting, at the, at the, the fighter he is, you know, it was just time for him to be with mom, who, my mom died on April 26th. I never got to see her though. You know, I, I didn't get to see her. This coronavirus wouldn't let her have a funeral for her. I, so, I, the last I saw my mom, you know, she was up alive and month, a month and a half ago. Right. It was a month and a half ago, last time I saw my mom. 
I talked to her on the phone a couple of times. When I got there, she was gone. Yeah, the funeral home had already got her. She died like nine that morning, and the um <clears throat> the funeral people came and got her about three hours later. She uh, she beat breast cancer, and then you know you know at the chemo your immune system is weak, and um, you know the um, it's just hard for her to recover. You know, um, I just feel like. That was a crazy time, but you know, also my pop man, um, I was there with him till he took his last breath. You know, I was there with him. It's just been a, a crazy time. I'm sorry to, to, to roll the punches like that. It's just you know that, that just got got a moment in me. You know, my father taught me to persevere, to um, be as you only. As good as you put your work into it, and so sports is, is one thing. Music is two things, you know. I, I'm listening to Marvin Gaye with y'all, you know. I mean, I heard a lot of things from Jill Levert, the Patty Bells, to the, what, the, the Morris Day in the Time, to the Shaka Khan album when he was like, Shaka Khan was fine. She was fine. She's still fine. Okay, yeah, we we going on there. All right, man. Listen, we all gonna go off this first segment. Because I want, you know, it's a lot. But we we, we going to, um, what I'm going to say about Villanova and their receivers, to, to throw this out, is that now that you look at the season coming up, and Daniel Smith is going to throw to Jenga Hodge and Jaren Hyatt. That's the first problem. Like, <laughs> I know we like depth, but just get it real. These are the two, these are the two dogs. And to have two dogs and not one is very, when, when FCS teams go to their, their playbook, and they go to their playbook. You have to plan for that. And then I can also talk about tight ends. I'm sorry, I'm going to throw that in there. Mitchell Bothwell, I'm excited about getting a guy that is a double threat. What I mean by that, by tight end, you got to be able to block. Some guys can't block. Some guys can block but can't catch. He can do both. And then you putting them up there with Todd Summers to learn the offense as a tight end, as a successful, effective tight end. And I just, I'm real interested to see what Jack Stanton does. I don't know yet. Let's see what he does. I don't know. Let's just see what he does. He has good. He has cool. He's he's a, he's a he's a he was a good defensive prospect. I love him a defensive prospect, but I'm not saying I don't like him as a tight end prospect. I'm saying I'm not excited about him like I am about how Ty Summers plays or how Mitchell, Mitchell Bothwell plays. But he is a guy with size and strength and hands. And if, if you put him in there in that Villanova offense, he's going to learn. Let's just see what he does. I'm real interested to see if he gets some snaps this year. How much has he progressed? Um, guys like Andrew Perez, walk-ons, look for him to progress. Michael Corby at offensive line. We'll talk about that another time. But uh, my Andrew Perez is a guy, is a sleeper, I say, on this receiving core that can really do something. He could really, as he as he plays, he's a sophomore coming up this year. Uh, no, he's more than that. Um, Andrew 
Perez is one of those guys who you got to watch him. Watch how he catches this ball. Watch how he catches the ball when he, you know what I mean, when he was in camp. He caught a nice pass in the season. Don't get that many um you don't get that many snaps, but when he does, he makes he shows something. He'll make one catch and show something. Being a sophomore this season, is big right here. I mean, showing what he showed last year, it's only right. It's only right that you can be excited about him. He's 210 at 6'2". Like, when you look at guys like Hodge leaving, I can see Andrew Perez sliding in there. He really can play. So we gonna we gonna end this out um, talking about the receivers. I'm telling you now that with them getting Daniel Lopez and Ethan Carr, and 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 soon I think um, Najee commits. No no doubt Najee Beniza commits. Irene Najee Beniza commits. I think I'm saying the name better. Right, I gotta get the respect. The guy is a beast. Like I just think if you put him on a team with Sap, it's, it's gonna be something to see. So now, what, what recruits to look at? Who who to look at? When we go back into the second segment, we will talk um, secondary and Villanova, along with um, a little bit more Eagles. So now, looking at um, these tight ends, if they get Antonio Johnson, if they add him. With Mitchell Bothwell uh, coming up, also with Jack Stanton, that's going to give them size over there. Now, at recruiting, um, who's next? That is a very tough question. Who's hot is different. I think Michael Washington and Martin Lucas are two guys you got to look at. Villanova is after the two running backs. Any day now, they could commit, and he did. Arizona State. I just knew Arizona State was going to happen. Now. It's Michael Washington. It's Michael Washington. I just feel like that's the that's the running back. Will they offer another running back? I don't know. I don't know if that happens. I think then now they're stuck on receiver, then running back. I think Michael Washington is and I think you're looking at Mark Lucas, he's gonna play linebacker at Arizona State. Like only only Villanova recruitment play running back. And I kinda was looking at that as the the key moment of saying that he wouldn't be here. Um Looking at Ohio and Eastern Carolina, snatching commits, you know, snatching commits, uh, Charlotte, snatching commits, you know, for receiving commits. I think for them to get Ethan Carr and and be able to get an offer to another receiver who I feel like is Villanova. It's just only a matter of time before he can miss Villanova. Looking at the hype, looking at what's going on. Uh, going to the recruiting and to early go in the recruiting, probably it's a pandemic, so you can go in so early and just see that he's looking like he's leaning to Villanova. I just like the weapons that go along with it. So when we come back, man, um, when we come back, we're going to talk more um, about the, Phil- the Villanova secondary, and also we're going to get into some Penn State secondary talk. Right here on Follow Leader, man. It's only 
We're going to play some Gil Scott Heron. All right. We're going to play some Gil Scott Heron. We're going to go out with the man like my pop loved him. My pop loved him, man. So we, and I loved him too. Like, you know what I mean? But my pop, man, he really got me on some, when he got me on music, it was all message music, man. So here we go. This gives out, I think I call it morning. We're going to go out with that, man. We're going to go out with, I think I call it morning. It was one of my favorites, Gil Scott. And also, my mom liked it. So let's go out with it, man. Gil Scott Heron, man. Home is where the hatred is, man. That was, you know, Pop, Gil Scott Heron. That's just what it was, man. For y'all youngsters don't know, man, if you listen to rap, Gil Scott Heron birthed. He's one of the guys who birthed this rap, so. One of the best lyricists you'll ever hear. One of the best musicians you'll ever hear. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Foul Leader Podcast. I am your host, the man, Lita Johnson, and my pops presences all around during this time um I, I wanted to get back to some stuff Villanova secondary I'm very very excited about the secondary I mean the secondary is almost <clears throat> the secondary <laughs> like man it's like a it's like you know when you when you make a um a good a food and you got the great ingredients and people want to know the recipe it's like when you when you're making a monster, and you like this is a monster back here. Like I love, I think this is the best position. You look at the running backs, look at the receivers growing up. You know, look at the offensive line, but the, the secondary, even for some years, like when they got Jaquan Amos, I said this was a good. Ooh, this guy's good. He's gonna be good. That's, they got Benford. I said, oh, he's gonna be a game changer. I was surprised at Elijah Trent. I just didn't know how good he was gonna be. You know, when I say guys, I'm like, I don't know how they're going to be. They got talent there. You know, Trent had the size and the athleticism, but will he transform? Same thing with Jack Stanton. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, will he transform? Will he transform? And Villanova football is used to developing talent real good. And it's like that with basketball. Okay, so we'll get on both of those. The basketball scene, we, I know people want to know a lot about the basketball scene. We can get to that. First thing I want to do, you know, intercept a little bit before we get into Nova is talk about the Eagles and what 
the, the Davian Clowney thing could represent, I don't really know. I think he could sign. Yeah, I think Eagles are number one. But will he make the move? See, that's the thing. Will he make the move? Is he comfortable making the move? And I think he's comfortable making the move. It's always a decision process. Will another team intercept? I'm saying right now the Eagles because it's, that's the hype. There's no inside scoop I got on it. I just see the, the articles and everything. But, hey, it's it's looking like the Eagles. Why wouldn't it be the Eagles for one year? That, that deal just fits the Eagles. Put them in there to win the Super Bowl. That defense would be, oh, my gosh. To add Clowney with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave and Malik Johnson and Hassan Ridgeway and Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat and Sharif Miller. To add him to that, I tell you what, ain't going to be no other outside people making their squad. You know, Deshaun Hall and, and Joe Osman might as well ride out. You know, I mean, or, or just, you know, either you practice squad or you're just going to go find somewhere else because with Jadavian Clowney there, that's a different type of monster. And nobody else is going to get the look on that. That that, that loads up the, the defensive line. It's the best defensive line in football. You can go ahead and look at another line. There's no better line. With Jadavian Clowney on their line, there's no better line in football. No better line in football. I mean, the Rams had a good line last year. It's been, been some good lines. I don't think there's been a line this complete ever. I ain't going to say ever because we, we had to go down the line, you know. But look at the depth. I say in the last 10 years, I'm just going to say that. I'm going to throw the last 10 years out, and you tell me what other defensive line in the NFL would be comp- that complete if you get clowned. Um We'll see what this football season brings. You know, it's a lot of things. Uh, CAA is uh, being suspended. I mean, Villanova's football schedule is suspended. And CAA is shutting down. You got schools like, you know, JMU, they want to keep going. Um, we'll just see what happens. It's all a toss-up, man. But I'm all for it if, if it's not safe. I, I, like, I'm one of those guys. Like, if it's not safe, I'm, I'm all for it. Like, I'm just saying. Human life is better than entertainment. Basically saying that we're, we're, we're puppies and dogs and... Mass, you know, people that just entertain you and you go ahead, die. I mean, no, if it's not safe, don't do it. Okay. Um, big news. I'm sure you've heard. We got some football, uh, some Villanova football news and basketball news. Oh, I'm excited. Caleb Houston, five star in 2022, was a, a Villanova. He's a Villanova uh, target. Hasn't got an offer yet. Moved to 2021. He reclassified. He is a power forward, six, uh, number six in 2021. He moved, he was like number top three in 2022. He moved top six, the number three power forward in this class, and number one is still in Florida. This is huge because it's like, what's going to happen? Will the tides turn? I feel like Nova's going to do their homework to see what happens. I will do some scoops, and I will find out some things. But. What I say here is now is different because Trey, Trey, Trey Patterson, small forward, you get you a Caleb Houston, you get you a Trevor Kills, and you get you a Russell Diggins, and you call this class a rap, if that can happen. I'm not saying, do I say he's favoring Nova? No, I mean, I don't know that scoop yet on him. I just know the scoop of the player and that Nova is a, a target of his. Nova is looking at him. They've been looking at him since for the 2022 class, though. 
You know, just like they looked at Jalen Duran and Justice Wing, they made their offers. Now that he's in this class, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens. Check out my tweets. I'm about to go deep with that. In the future, check out my tweets because I'm about to go deep on his recruiting. Um, what, what, the guy's good. He's good. And he's playing for Mount Verde. What I say is that that gives Villanova a future power forward that's 6'8", just like Trey Patterson. And that would give you a Nana Njoku, Eric Dixon. <laughs> Caleb Houston, Trey, Trey Patterson type of fit. We'll see what happens. And you know that the uh, Duke and Kentucky are going to make their way. They're going to they're gonna make their way for him. I see he's a top six guy. So this is going to be interesting to see. He reclassified for 2022 to 2021, a five-star. We'll see how this happens and, and where this goes. Um, we're still on the, uh, the point guard trip, y'all. I mean, Trevor Keels hasn't committed. And, you know, I've, I've heard that he's taking his time. You know, that's going to be because, you know, before you thought he was going to make a commitment, but he's taking his time. When you look at Stevie Mitchell, I think he still can be a commitment to Villanova. I still think he can make it. And don't say, oh, I, I want I want five stars. <sighs> my guy, S. Dot, shout out. Shout out to David Letts. That's my guy. Um, You know, um, I, I love my followers, man, so I try to give y'all shout outs. But Stevie Mitchell is a good guard. And don't, listen, don't, the five-star think this is, just doesn't matter. If you get a five, that, that doesn't mean he's going to make it. That doesn't mean he's even going to like to be in Nova for the process. We we don't know Quinterly. We got Quinterly. We got Lonnie Walker. He left, you know, he didn't commit. He was a long-time target. He had to get Colin Gillespie. Look what, how that turned out. Yeah, Colin Gillespie's good, real good. So, and he's, and you're talking about five-star, he's a five-star type of player now. Like, that's when you're talking about if he was to transfer, he's five-star. He's a five-star transfer, which he won't. Of course he won't. But, yes. Yes. Like, now, Gillespie is what you call a five-star player because he's making an impact that you would expect from a five-star player. He's did that. Look where he's at. Look where he, and he could average 20 a game this year. Like, Gillespie could really turn things up. Seriously, we're talking about him getting better. Like, getting better? <sighs> That's crazy. Jermaine Samuels, getting better? Like, you're looking at now their successful college basketball transfers. No no question. You're talking about would he be a five-star transfer? I think Samuels right now would be a high four-star transfer. You know what I mean? And I'm saying this because if you're rating guys now, that's how they rate them. When they transfer, they give them different stars and see where they're at. So I think you're looking at five and a four, high four-star with Jermaine Samuels and, and Colin Gillespie. I just feel like now, the, and, and you know, and Samuels was the high four-star before. He's the same as, as he was. I think he, he gives you the same impact. He, he, he definitely gave you the impact you expected. Jermaine Samuels gave you the impact you expected coming into this. You know, uh, now you look at him like, oh, that was a great recruit. Now, with, with them two, they're going to have to be, they're going to have to be dynamic together. Sadiq is gone. You, there's no way you're expecting the time frame between Jermaine Samuels and, and Sadiq Bey is one year. Now, you're looking at two years between Samuels and there's no way you're, you're, Samuels is not going to dig deep in this, in this year and just really clown. There's no way that's not going to happen. Then you're going to have Jermaine, J Jeremiah Robson Earl, which you forget about. Then you're going to have Brian Antoine. A lot of people say that Justin Moore's not going to sit on the bench. Yes, he is. If it turns out like that, yes. They're not saying he's not going to get starter minutes. Let's just clear this up. 
This is like Antoine. If he ends up being on the bench, he's still going to get starter minutes. It's just that, you know, it's more of a priority. They get more touches on, on the starting five. You're more of a priority. That's just what it is. You know, when Dante DiVincenzo came in and he did his thing, who was the starter? All right, who was the starter? Who was getting the priority? The priority is the starter, but your bench is still a priority. Jay Wright still has a bench piece that's a priority. That that one bench piece. And and looking at Caleb Daniels and looking at Antoine and Moore, one of those three guys, two of those three guys are gonna be we're gonna have something different than you know you never had before when you have guys like um Like Dante DiVincenzo, he was on the bench. But when you got guys like Caleb Daniels and and everybody saying, "Oh, you're not gonna, you're gonna forget about Caleb starting," and could it happen? Yeah, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying it won't happen. I'm, that's that's I gotta see stuff happen, like because looking at the dynamic of things and where Antoine came from, and and the priority it was to get a guy like Antoine, I just didn't, you know, it's, that's why I don't see certain things. This is the same thing with Quinterly. I was just like, yeah, the priority it took to get Quinterly, then he finally came back. We're going to see what happens. But, like, again, the Nova, Colin Gillespie was here before him, and then he it was his job to lose. That's just what it is. So that's why I'm telling people, like, Brian Antoine was a different monster, a different recruit. So if he shows that he's impacting, and, you know, Antoine could start right off the top. All he has to do is show, show out and practice. And then Justin, it's like Justin Moore did too much for Nova. You, people don't understand the bench is important. The bench is important. Every championship, Phil Booth off the bench, important, 20 points. Dante DiVincenzo, most outstanding player off the – so don't – it's like y'all taking it as an insult that the guy's on the bench. I'm just saying when a guy wins that starting job, he wins that starting job, and I feel like Antoine will win over more. That's just what it is. I mean, just because y'all saw – it's crazy that, that the evaluation of – Brian Antoine is his injury. It's his injury. Like, he didn't get to show what he needed to show. And Jay Wright wasn't going to put him out there for more minutes to when he's not caught up the way that Jay wants him caught up. Like, that's why he didn't get those minutes. It was always great reports on Brian Antoine and how good he's progressing, how good he's doing. But he wasn't ready to go full bloom. He, he wasn't ready to go like y'all wanted him to go. Jay Wright wasn't going to do that. He wanted him to know the offense more than y'all see him learn. Oh, his defense, you can't, there's no way you can judge defense or offense. You just got to look at good things. You can't look at bad things. You can't. Not, not, not in the minutes he got. You look at all good things. There's no way you're looking at all oh, his defense. He ain't get a time to make up for that. So when you see something, it's hard to get good things done in short minutes. So when you see good things, you're like, oh, he, he got something in there. But bad things, a lot of players do bad assignments. You've seen as good as Gillespie is on defense, as good as Samuels is on defense. You've seen them get hammered. You've seen them get beat off the dribble. You've seen p- players, you know, but they have time to make up for that. And then you're like, oh, because they have time. So this is a little crazy. But um, as far as recruiting, I'm still on the same spot I was on. If you're looking on 247, do not. Hutchinson Everett is, is is done. He's done. He's done. He's done. Jordan Longino, it's looking big on that point. Like it's looking big. And the Russell Diggins and Trevor Kills, it's looking big. If if I tell you 
who the two four seven, you know, they you know sometimes they, they update late. Angelo Brizzy, that that that's a that's more of a higher priority than what they're saying. He's a high choice. He's a high choice. So don't look at interested like they're not interested. No, but Diggins is definitely they're going for Diggins. They want Diggins. They want Longino. Longino is a excellent pick at six five one six. I mean, he can score, man. He can score. He's rated 96 by 247 Composite. And once again, 247 Composite is all the, the, the from ESPN Rivals and, and um, 247. You combine all the um, recruiting ratings together and you get the 96 rated player in the country, the 21st rated shooting guard, the 4th rated player in PA. But by 247, he's a higher rated player. He's number 32 in the nation. He's a 6th rated shooting guard. He's a 2nd rated player in PA. So, when you're looking at a real gifted player, you know, you got guys like Indiana and Florida and LaSalle after him hard and, and you know, Merlin, that is correct. That is correct if you look at that. That is very correct. But um, the schools you got to worry about, Indiana's definitely one. LaSalle won some. LaSalle's not going to back off. You know, Ashley Howard is going after the Philadelphia guys. This is what it is. Uh, Penn State is another school going, at, you know, that wants some, you know, and so is Temple. So anybody, listen. All, if you're if you're in PA, especially if you're a Philadelphia player, those schools are coming after you. He they're really after him. Temple, LaSalle, Penn State. If you're in PA, these schools want you. You know, but the schools outside is going. It would definitely have to be Indiana is the big threat. Florida's making their move, but Indiana is the is the big threat. Florida's yeah. Florida just as any is is anybody. They're like, like, but watch out for Florida. It's not like they can't watch out for Florida, but they're in it. But I just feel like Indiana is really making a push, especially with uh, Christian Lander uh, reclassifying. They're trying to scoop up more recruits to join him, and Indiana's going to be tough next year. So they're they're aggressively approaching Jordan Longino. But I just feel like this has been a lock for a long time. It's only a matter of time before Jordan Longino becomes a Villanova Wildcat. It's only a matter of time. And he's just, you know, seeing what schools are saying something to him. But yeah, Jordan Longino is their guy. He's a priority now after Max Christie's gone. He's he is the priority for Villanova. Like he's if you're talking about is Kills is the number one priority. He's the number one priority, all right? But And, and but Longino's next. It's just, it's, Longino is the next priority, you know. And then Diggins, it's still Diggins, Mitchell, Brizzy. They still decide whoever commits. All those guys are priorities. And for all y'all who don't know, I I I go in deep with them guys. Like they're they're recruiting, and Love. It was so like I just listening to Love and what's going on. I saw Love was recruiting to Villanova, but it wasn't like Baylor or Texas wasn't heavily involved. I just thought Nova was going to win that war, but they didn't. He stayed home. He he's going to Baylor, and, and I'm not surprised. I'm just I picked Nova, but in the Diggins, Mitchell, and Brizzy, I mean they love Nova highly, you know, just like Love did. So what can happen? Who could get Diggins? Indiana could get Diggins, but Diggins don't want to go battle no Lander. He don't want to battle Lander, and so that's 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 where that comes in. That that's where that point comes in. That like. That's where the Indiana thing 
it's kind of different. Does he want to go over there and 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 be back? Because he's that's what's going to happen. Landa is taking over that point guard position, and he would be a backup, no question. Um, Longino at Indiana, he would be a shooting guard next to Landa. Diggins is a little different. Um, excuse me on Diggins. That wasn't. That was all on Gino. But one thing about Diggins is that you got Kansas involved and Miami involved. Those are the two schools that, you know, I mean, I know DePaul's around, but Kansas and Miami are the schools to look at. And St. Joe's did a great job, Billy Lang over there, and he, he likes St. Joe. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen um, at all. But Kansas and Miami is who Villanova messing with when it comes to that's all I hear about. Kansas, you know, they're looking for their point guard. Miami, here they come. You know, swooping in, seeing another uh, PA player they want, like they got Lonnie Walker. Um, but Villanova is in great shape to scoop. Like I, I, it's like the love situation. It's like the love situation. Um, listening to all sides, and you know, Kansas recruiting, and Miami of Florida recruiting, and Villanova recruiting, then talking to sides for for Diggins people who know Diggins, and you know, going in deep. Uh, I have more. On Rasul digging soon, but going in deep with Rasul, I already had his interview early before he had his offer, and how important Nova would be if they got an offer. So, looking at that, Diggins would love to stay home and play for a national championship contender, and that's just what it is. That's just what it is. I mean, he wants to win. He wants to be in the best place academically, and Basketball wise, all right. So when we come back, man, I'm a um. We come back. We gonna talk more um, Villanova, of course. Gonna talk more Villanova. And I'll plug in a little bit, you know, a uh, little bit more things about Pop and, and what he used to think about Villanova, and um, just a lot on sports man so when I come back we will continue we will continue follow the leader so I'm Drea, tell me what the fuck I'm going on. Creeping down the back street on keys. I got my black cup, cause niggas won't please. No soon as I said it, seems I got sweated by some nigga with a tech nine trying to take mine. You wanna make noise, make noise. I make a phone call, my niggas coming like the Gotti boys. Bodies being filed on Greenleaf. Get the fucking heads cut off. Motherfucker, I'm straight. So listen to the play by play, day by day. Rolling in my phone with 16 switches. For the snitches, so won't you just walk on by? Cause I'm too hard to lift. And know this ain't Aerosmith, it's the motherfucking DRE from the CPT on the riding street. A straight G, hop back as I pop my top, you trip. I let the hollow voice commence to pop, 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 yeah. Cause if it don't stop, I have to put my shit in reverse, go back and take another spot. Cause I'm rolling in my sixth spot. <laughs> With all the niggas saying. Yeah. What are the niggas saying? 
Yeah, we back, we back. And one of my father, you know, hip-hop, you know, he always was like, yo, he always talking about glorifying this in the streets and all, you know, but Pop loved music. And this was the one hip-hop album, Dr. Dre the Chronic. He played all the way through. And he liked it because of Parliament and the Funkadelics had that mixed with it. So he loved it, man. He loved it, you know. Um... We always talked about the Big Five rivalry in Hallisau and St. Joe. They was like, the Big Five was so good back then. And we had so many talks about that, you know. So many talks about the Big Five rivalries. And it was real big. And so now, looking at Villanova and where they're at, you know, we was always talking about how good they was getting. And, you know, he loved Jay Wright. He loved Jay Wright. He loved Jay Wright. Like he was just like he's the best. He's the best. He, he seen and Pop seen Raleigh. You know he seen all. He said he's probably the best Big Five coach ever. So it's just been um, you know it's it's been big looking at this Nova transformation and what can happen. What can generally happen with Villanova? Um, I see a lot of this class is going to end up being another good class. Longino. Uh, Max, well, Max Christie and Love being gone, it's like, oh, we lost out on two five stars. This is why I tell y'all, y'all cannot go at Nova when they they've been going at five stars this whole class. The first when they started out going after five stars, Max Christie, um, Langston Love was two of their offers. Like they went after two of their first offers. They went after five stars first. You know, Trey Patterson hadn't even been offered, if I recall, before Max Christie was offered. They went after five stars. So y'all got to understand that Villanova knows what they're doing. All right. In football, let's get back to the, the – I, I want to talk about the cornerbacks. Um, the cornerbacks right now, let's talk about some recruiting. Gianni Woodson-Brooks didn't recruit – didn't go to uh, Nova like I thought. Um he had uh, he really liked them, so they were the most balanced team out of all of them. But he committed to Navy. He also, he said one thing about Navy is that their you know you can your future with with Navy after football the way they can set you up. And he was all always like um you know the same thing he said about the Air Air Force, which was also one of his uh, final schools. You know, it was all about. You know, just make what move you're making after school. He, he he was talking about the balance of academics and 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 after school. But Navy, what they can do. The only thing he didn't like about Navy was that they um his personal life would be gone. So he's accepting that and he's gonna do his thing. And he's a guy that can go to the NFL. He has that type of talent. I, I see a lot in Woodson Brooks, and that was a lot. That's just, that's when they got Shane Hartzell. When they didn't get Miles Cross. Troy Lewis, Elijah Spencer, they got Ethan Carr. So they was ready for these moves not to go their way. And it was just good how they did it. It's just excellent. And then you um you get Irene and uh with with the with the a great offer there. And um you still have the uh, running back. Uh Martin Lucas committed, didn't commit to them, you know, um he went to Arizona State which I definitely thought was going to happen. And now it's Jason Henderson. They're going, you, it's a lot, defensive line, look, running back defensive line, look for it. Jason Henderson is a guy that um, 
We're going to see where he goes. Another PA back, a linebacker that, that's real good. You got Hartzell. You got Henderson who could, could commit. Let's see what happens with Jason Henderson. But I see Syracuse has been committing him so good. So I wouldn't be surprised. Just to put Nova in his final four was big. But Syracuse is real hard on him. Like, so I could see Syracuse snatching Jason Henderson. But Villanova, he's high on Villanova. But I see Syracuse on that. So let's just. Shane Hartsell's a good it, – it's been hard for them to get multiple linebacker commits in a class, but to get Shane Hartsell was a big one. You know, they could have got no players in this. They tried to get running back commits last year, and they had to – you know, they got a good all-around back. Um, but, you know, he was trying to get higher guys on their list, and it, just didn't, work, it, just, didn't, it just didn't work out. But this year, I see Michael Washington committing to Villanova. That, that like – Michael Washington's been so high on Villanova, and JMU is the one school. That's the tug-of-war school. That's the tug-of-war school. It's going to be between JMU and Villanova. Michael Washington was offered, like, the second offer, Jordan Landato was the first offer very early, just like Ricky Ortega. Then Michael Washington got an offer early. So there, he's a top. After Jordan Landato committed, Michael Washington has been the top priority since then. He's a top target. His other guys are a priority, but Michael Washington was offered very early. So they got their offensive linemen. Um, we'll just see how this defensive line really comes about. Like, that's the next big part. Like, they haven't got a defensive line commit, and they have a bunch of them. A bunch. All right, so this is going to be big. Now, the secondary, let's get on it. Um, looking at what they got, like Terrell Mims, who's just been working hard. Uh, high character player. He's gonna have a good year. Good. He's gonna have a good career with Villanova. Ty Trini, the improvement of him. I mean, I was already, you know, I was, you know, I, I thought he was a solid player, but now he's, yo, his last season, yo, he showed enormous playmaking ability. And then you're looking at um Ethan Potter. He's just like Jaron Hyatt to me because he's a he's like a Swiss Army knife. Like he did a lot in high school. And he's a a playmaker back there. He he is a playmaker back there. And then you're looking at John Roden, my favorite out of the whole bunch. And then all, I like all the guys, but he's my favorite. This guy, I think, is the same way I thought about John Quinn Amos and Christian Benford. I think about John Roden. And um, Kashawn Scalters, that's a little overboard. This guy could have played with another school. I mean, really, I think people recruited bad and Villanova benefited. She's <laughs> like... Just like Aiden Howard, like that's why I say last year's class is the still the best class. I don't like it's the best class in the last three years because it was a good class the year before. All right, top one of the top three classes you're gonna see in FCS, and then the next year I just said this is just, this is ridiculous, and now this year it's like they're just still gathering up good players. It's just real good. It's a good class, you know. It's not real good. It's a good class. All right. And, and and these are guys that can impact on this this twenty twenty one class like Jesus, and they got solid monsters like Shane Hartzell's a solid monster, you know you get a uh, Ian Erickson on on their line a solid monster like <laughs> like serious Christian Sapp is something I'm waiting to see Daniel Lopez whoa like they have like Ola Adams said this twenty twenty one class is loaded they got good players. 
for for you to get the you could say all you want about how it's loaded, but if you don't get the players that you're talking about, if you don't get a player that's considered that talented, then it's it's whatever. If you're getting like the bottom of the barrel, you're getting guys that are not that good, then whatever you're saying don't matter. They are getting those guys. So they're becoming a recruiting powerhouse in the FCS because the last three years have proven, proven, totally improvement on what's going on. Um, you know, me and Pop talk about football and, and how good, you know, guys were. It's just that football wasn't as popular. This, this wasn't like that. And for, he was like, I'm coming back telling him about recruiting. He was like, wow, I didn't even know Villanova, like the recruiting, the stuff that you know. I'm surprised that because he's he, he never heard about recruiting. You know, you don't hear about Villanova recruiting. You don't hear the hype of Villanova recruiting. And I had a I had a focus. I told Eric Watkins of VU Sports. I, told, I had a focus. I wanted to hype up Villanova's recruiting. I wanted to go deep. I wanted people to know about these players because these are good damn players. So they're working hard just like other guys. So yeah, you know, I'm glad that Villanova is at that point. Uh, Christian Benford, Elijah Trent, and 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 um. Christian Benford, Elijah Trent. Let's talk about the guys on Christian Benford, Elijah Trent, and uh, Jaquan Amos. Goodness gracious. Just those three. Let's not even go any further. Let's not go any further. Because I got another guy I want to say, right? I want another guy I'm going to throw in there. Because I know y'all like, oh. Just those three guys, the fact that they were recruited. One guy was moved to being a star receiver at Thomas S. Wooten to a star corner, uh, star cornerback, Elijah Trent. Um. Ewupete, <laughs> yeah, you think I wasn't going to say his name? Nawulu, it's my guy, man. I mean, I love watching that guy play because he's such a hard worker. On, I see it on the field. Like, it's crazy. Like, he's just one of those guys. He's one of those guys. You have to account for him on, on the field. You have to account for him. It's not even a... a I thought if you're playing Villanova, you have to account for Nwulu Ewopete. He'll be a senior this year. Amos will be a senior this year. Trent will be a junior this year. Benford is another guy who, he was hurt last year. I mean, he'll be a junior this year. I just think that the experience is a key factor we don't talk about. They've been then after last year. They've been in scars. They've experienced it. So I'm really anxious to see this that those four guys. Yeah, I don't know if that'll be the four guys that start. You know, I expect Amos to start. I expect Ewopete to start. No question. But with Benford and Trent, are they going to start? And they can, because Benford and Ewopete could play safety, and Amos. So Amos could play safety, and Amos and Trent could play cornerback. That could be the team. You know, you still got Daryl McDaniel, who's a he's a solid player. He goes out there, a leader type, because you know he's a junior. He always goes out there and play hard. Straight from DC, man. Five ten, two hundred, solid player out there, and he plays hard. And you have to watch out. You got guys on this team like um, Darius Prickett, who stepped up. And I knew it. Like, when they got him in recruiting, I said, man, that was a good pickup. Because he was one of the guys I had saw before the offer. And I was just like, yo, he's good. Maybe they'll get him. 
you know, you certain guys you look at, you know, the FCS schools are recruiting, and, and you know, I get that list. And it's, it's, I just was a surprise guy. And I saw his tape. I said, how do you get a guy that good? He's so fast. So your speed burner, and he has size. So your speed burning, your number one target, um, your number one target is in trouble if he's a, whoever receiver is because guys like Waxter and guys like Amos and guys like Benford and Trent, they can track him down. Then you got, they, they got size on there. It's crazy. Jalen Goodman is my guy that I'm looking forward to. Out of all the cornerbacks, out of all, that's the guy. I've always been high on him coming out of Lower Marion. Always been high on him. And I'm I'm excited to see what he does and where he plays. And if he play him at safety or cornerback, he is going to evolve. He's going to evolve. That's just what's going to happen. He's going to evolve. Jalen Goodman is going to evolve. All right. Um. Also, you go down this list, and Elijah Glover is just. I mean, should I should I go on? Elijah Glover showed in his little bit of time what he can do. You're looking at this this cornerbacks, these cornerbacks here. It's just like the names of guys here, and you know you got guys who walked on like Hunter Cimano, like guys like that. So we're looking at this cornerback, and now we're talking about other guys. You know, Chance, Hart's a, Chance Harley is another playmaker. He's, he's fast. He's athletic. I want to. He's a solid player. I want to see what he does. He's solid. He can even be even better. Like he's an athletic player that you put back there. He's gonna learn from an unbelievably deep room. Like I'm really anxious to see all these guys get down. I mean, it's really a talented group. Really a talented group. I am excited to see this talented group get down. I am most excited about the secondary. They are the, if you ask me right now who the best secondary is in FCS, I'm going to go with Villanova. You give me, let me see, it is hard to throw on these guys. And they had some mistakes last year. Of course, it was, Benford was injured, Elijah Trent was injured, and these guys was young coming in. And they still, you know, had mistakes, but they held their own. They showed you impact. And so now with an extra year involved, with them having postseason play, these guys are going to be, this is, this is CBU. All right. Now we want to talk more about the Penn State. Penn State, listen. If I'm talking about Penn State football, right, you got to talk about this secondary. You've got to talk about this secondary and where they're going. Like, looking at Penn State football, and let's just, Tariq Castro Fields is the number one guy. There, you got Donovan Johnson. These are guys that are highly, highly recruited. Johnson has speed at 5'9", 180. I want to really see what he does this year. I, I, that's who I'm on. I think he can be an awesome playmaker. Keaton Ellis, I was always high on. He's my favorite recruit out of his class. Always high on this guy. It's going to be something to see now that the guys get to get their their wings now. They get to show themselves. Marquise Wilson, Joey Porter Jr., this is a on paper. This is a explosive corner secondary class. Explosive, explosive. Joey Porter Jr. with the six two size and how good. And I've been hearing great things about him. I'm anxious to see how Marquise Wilson flexes. He's a high energy guy. 
Enzo Jennings being on this team as a safety, watch out. He could gain some time. Joseph Johnson. Joseph Johnson III is a, is a 6-2. Good to get size. It's always good to get size because you can't always get size. Trent Gordon moves to safety. Very hard-working player. Tyler Rudolph gets to get his chance to show exactly who he is. That's a guy I'm looking at to, to see what he does. Daquan Hardy, hard-working guy. We'll see where he goes. Solid player. Looking at this class and looking at what they do. Or looking at this team, excuse me. How they play. Jonathan Sutherland, love him. I, I really had high expectations. But he's still a solid, hard-working player. He's a guy you look for. Listen, he's a guy you look for. He's a guy you look for. To to spring spread his wings for real. He's a junior this year. Let's see what happens. Let's just see what happens. I think he can really turn things up. Lamont Wade is going to have a... Last year, I always say, I told people, and you know, he had some... Penn State fans, oh, you're crazy. You're crazy. Lamont Wade, Lamont Wade is a safety because I think he's better at safety. I think he could have played cornerback, you know, but you're going to get taken advantage of a lot of times. You know, even I don't care how tall, how good you are, at 5'9", it's going to be mismatch props. Put a guy like that, as physical as he is at safety, and see what he does, and it's been great. You look at all these guys that can play, and then, then you look at the class class they have now you get Jalen Reed at safety okay you get Zaki Wheatley at safety alright these are guys you're looking at that can really play football Kalen King Jeffrey Davis Jr I think they understand that it's a it's a I think they understand that the importance of Having a, a good, they, they're looking at their corner, their, their secondary field, and they know they have to load up. And they load it up. They load it up. Jalen Reed is a impressive player out of all the guys. And Kalen King, I like him. You know, it's other guys like, you know, Wheatley's a guy I, I got on too late, you know. Um, looking at his tape, he looks like a playmaker. But Kalen King and Kalen King and Jalen Reed, I was just like, whoa. Because them twins are talented. They are really talented. Uh, Jeffrey Davis, his his tape, I got on him late. He's a really a guy that I feel like could end up turning into a very solid playmaker for, for Penn State. Um, just looking at those guys coming in really says something. If you look at the prospects, you know, Penn State, look at the prospects. Derrick Davis Jr., they're not done. Derrick Davis Jr. is a priority. He's been a priority. He's been a priority. Um Dewan Warren, out of Lackawanna, I think he ends up committing. The Derrick Davis Jr. is going to be a tug of war type of thing right now. Um, even though I think I'll pick Penn State for the simple fact Penn State's been recruiting him for so long. Um, Dewan Warren, Lackawanna College, they lock that down all the time. And you hear about the people over there, over at his section. That's the one I've been like heavily on. I mean, he looks like he's Penn State. He's been Penn State. He's going. I mean, it definitely can happen big time. Um, it's other guys involved, like the Mind Harmon, and you're seeing that. Um, 
Yeah, they're looking at it depends on who doesn't get, you know, who doesn't get to commit. So Penn State looks good at, at cornerback. It's just like they need that. And the cornerbacks last year, the same as Villanova, they, they showed a lot of uh, promise. Guys like Marquise Wilson and Donovan Johnson. You see, you saw Castro Fields play, uh, no question. But Trent Gordon showed a lot of promise, but it was a lot, it was some mistakes. It was some mistakes, and it cost them, just like with Villanova. So, but on paper, you're looking at like, wow. So that only lets you know one thing: evolution. You know, it's all that. Every time you think about a year, right? Think about evolution. I'm just saying, when, when a guy has to. He has to progress, right? So think about that. When you look at another guy and you say his talent coming out of high school and what you expected, just know there's a next year. He has to work hard. You have to expect a guy of this caliber to get good. So whatever you saw the year before, especially when you're looking at a sophomore or, or a freshman and they impact, think about the next year. Think about his junior year and you're like, oh, this guy's going to be good. Because that's what happens. When you look at a good player, evolution is coming. If it don't come, that's a surprise. If you look at a good player and what he did, oh, he showed promise. He was talented last year. He did good things. Think about the next year. And that's what I think about Marquise Wilson, Donovan Johnson, guys like Trent Gordon. They're going to impact. They're going to impact big for Penn State. That's just how it's going to go down. And, you know, me and Pop watched Penn State in the years Joe Paterno, the great Joe Paterno did his thing. He was sending guys with lower rated rankings to the NFL. Like these guys, like the the, the recruiting classes Penn State is getting now, they never had this many. They never had this type of hype in recruiting before. Not when I was coming up. Like you know, guys is good. Like Kejana Carter and Curtis Enos and Bobby Ingram and Kyle uh Kyle Brady, Kerry Collins, Michael Robinson. Guys like that wasn't getting the hype. Like they didn't have a, a big deep thing of recruiting class for real. The the talent in recruiting classes was definitely far fetched. Like Franklin gets the more the, the most talent that Penn State's had. At, you know, at, they get the most talent Penn State's ever had. Like you know, I'm talking about by a quantity of it. You know, you know the the, the quality of players, the hype of recruiting now is big, and Penn State is in that hype recruiting battle. Joe Paterno got players, got good players, and made the best. LeVar Arrington was a was a highly recruited guy. He was. He was he was highly recruited. I mean, he played offense and defense in high school, and he was good. He could have been a, a running back at, at Penn State and still been drafted. Like, that's how talented. I think he's the most talented recruit I ever seen them get. Like, coming out of high school, LeVar Arrington was just such a monster athletically. Like, you know, so, when you're looking at um. Penn State, it's looking big. It's looking good right now. The, um, you know, you're looking at a lot of guys they want. Tristan Lay is one, five-star. But, you know, it's looking, it's looking like uh, Alabama, LSU, and, Cle and, and, and Clemson are, are heads on that. Like, I would put them, I would put Penn State over Ohio State and everybody else, but Alabama, LSU, and Clemson, especially Clemson, like, it just looks like they got them. Uh, Nolan Rucci is a, a Penn State guy. I don't think he's going nowhere but Penn State. It's just what I think. Um, look, looking at that recruiting, that's one of the guys I've been, you know, on since last year. And he's just like it's Penn State. Um, look out for the Donovan Edwards recruiting at running back. 
that's a that that's something to look at because now they're on another Michigan prospect. If they can snatch him, they own Michigan this year. <laughs> like they just they got like four recruits. Like Penn State got all these recruits out of Michigan. They're just taking them. They just come on, come on, come on, come on. Like they're just taking them. Come over here. Come over here. Come over here. It's four. I I really think the Donovan Edwards could end up being Penn State. I, I I'm listen. Georgia's on them, and Georgia is a great recruiting. You know that they really go at recruiting. And Michigan State has been making their haul. Oklahoma's good, um, but I think Penn State can snatch Donovan Edwards. Just look out for that. Look out for that. Um, Rico Spindler, I, I just don't. We'll see what happens. He likes Penn State. I think they're all tied up. Like looking at the recruiting about him. Just trying to go in deep about the recruiting. I see I see Rocco Spindler, or excuse me, Rocco Spindler. Um I see him committing to anyone. It's like Notre Dame is doing a great job. Michigan is doing their thing. But Michigan's always, you know, but Michigan's time is a little different now than it was in recruiting. And it's just like Alabama. Like you you're just not certified because Alabama's with you. You know, usually Alabama give a give a uh, offer. There was Notre Dame, Ohio State. They're all making their the, the usual suspects. Notre Dame always is one of those schools that's you know tug of war with Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. They always tug of war. So we'll just see what happens with that. But Penn State has as good chances anybody has. You know, all all like Penn State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame, Michigan have a great chance for them as anybody does. You know, uh, Alabama more back backing off of them. You know, if you're looking at Kevin Gilliam, that's another guy that you know. Any, I think any moment it could be, you know, it, it could change the tide. There's a lot of schools at them. Um, Florida is a, a real sleeper on him. Of, of course, Oklahoma Sooners are making him a priority, but Florida is a real sleeper to land him. And LSU is always creeping up, so we'll see how that goes. They're always creeping up. I think they could turn up the juice for him. But Penn State can get him. This, this, this it's not a tough, it's not like a, a landslide with him. I think Penn State can get him. I think Penn, Penn State has been on him hard. We'll see just how good this goes. They can definitely snatch Kevin Gilliam. You know, with Sean Spencer not being there, things are a little different. All right. Um, just a lot of guys. The Brock Bauer situation. We're gonna see how that goes. I think Penn State can snatch him, but it's but it's just like Georgia is. Whew, in Oregon are two schools that, you know, so that's going to be hard for them to get a tight end, you know, like Brock Bowers right now. We'll just see how that goes. But Georgia and Oregon are the two schools to watch out for. They got to beat those two. Um, Elliot Donald is another guy who um, I feel like Penn State can make, you know, a lot of Pittsburgh is doing a great job. He's in, in, in uh, he's from Pittsburgh, but Penn State can snatch him. Penn State can, him and Donovan Edwards are two guys to look out for. You know, so there are other guys um, like Rashawn Benny, um, another another Michigan guy that watch out that Penn State could go for, especially if Spindler commits, they could turn up the juice on Benny. Um, if, if Spindler doesn't commit to Penn State, looking for him to turn up the juice on a guy like him. Um, good, A good receiver right now, Dominic Lovett, just watch out for that one. You know, Alabama's involved. LSU's involved. 
let's just see how they I, I think those two schools are the two schools he's really looking at. But if Penn State, I think Penn State, if they come on and show him that he's a priority, it could happen. It could definitely happen. Um, other guys, that one guy, Amari Daniels, are all-purpose back. Penn State has not gotten a running back. Watch out for Amari Daniels out of Florida. That Florida again. Amari Daniels could be a Penn State. He's a, he's a productive, real good. Um, I think he's underrated, very underrated. Very underrated. Um, they're going after Katrivion Hargrove, and that's interesting, you know, in that area where, you know, where they're at. That could be something to look at. We'll see. I think, But I think Amari Daniels is the guy that will commit, but we'll see how that goes. I don't, I'm not really – Florida State's doing a great job. They're looking at him. Penn State's interested, no question. They're interested in him, but we'll see what happens. I have a lot more – going on. I trail Anthony, wide receiver. You got to look for a wide receiver. I see Penn State taking it. I see them taking on trail Anthony. I see them getting him. Um, Just good players. I, I really feel like Penn State has a, a, a very good move. And um, me and my pop really love Penn State football. It's my favorite football. No, no disrespect to Villanova because I love Villanova football. I loved them before I even started doing cover work for them. You know, when John Robertson was there, you know, yeah, Brian Fennerin. I, I tried to keep up the best I could, but it just wasn't much hype on them, so you didn't know how to keep up with them. I mean, when st when stuff was paper, before the, the before the internet, you could not, there's no way you could keep up with recruiting. The, the way, like, I didn't know how to keep up with it. As a young kid, I used to get the sporting news and the Sports Illustrated and all that. and the, you, you you couldn't keep up with recruiting. All you got was, you know, who they got. And you get told who they class were, who they freshmen were, and that was it. The, the hype and the ratings and so much information on recruits. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. That did not happen. So it's totally different. So I'm a, um in a minute, man, I'm, I'm finishing um, – me and my pops podcast, like, you know, man, it's hard. It's it's hard and it hurts hard, you know. If anybody loses a parent, especially if you lose parents so soon together, like I lost my mother April twenty sixth, her birthday, Mother's Day was May nineteenth, her birthday was May twenty sixth. That was a hard time, and now my my pop birth, my birthday is September third, and his birthday is September sixteenth. And that's going to be a hard month for me. It's going to be real hard, man. Like, when you lose somebody that's a parent and a best friend, it's hard, man. <clears throat> it's hard. It's hard. And, and to anybody out there I can touch and talk to, because I'm, 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 I'm not good, but I got to be good. Because this one, I love my mother as much as I love my mother. So, so dearly I love her. Me and my pop's relationship was just closer, you know. And now I lost two people in my life who was always there, you know. I went through, I went through, y'all want to know about me. Y'all want to know about Lita Johnson. I was, a, I, I got into trouble as a kid, you know. As, as much as they, they gave me, you know, the streets. I was raised in Little Rock, Arkansas. It was crazy out there, gang banging. You know, I went through my troublesome and, they never lost hope in me. You know, I've been to jail. I, 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 they never lost hope in me. 
and um, they was always there. And you know, sports, you know, my life was turned around by work ethic that my pop instilled into me. He always told me to look at the glass half full. He always said the best revenge is success. He always said the work you put into something is what you're going to get out of it. And sports was like it for us. Like music, watching great movies. I'm writing a movie now called Live, Ride, Do, or Die. I'm trying to get a shot in Philly. Nobody knew. It's just, you know, a process. Um, Me messing with, I love music to the heart. I know I, I do DJ work, DJ King everything. You know, I do that in Philly, you know. But right now, everything stopped because of what's going on in the pandemic. I love music. I love all types of music. I love John Coltrane and Miles Davis because of my father. Um, I, you know, I love uh, Worth in the Fire and the Ozzy Brothers because of my pop. So I end this podcast, man, with one of my pop favorite songs. Now, who knows it? Who knows? By New Birth. It was a group called New Birth. And it's called Pains of Love. And every time I hear it, I think about them. So, I'm out, y'all. Uh, love you, Pop. R.I.P. Herbert Hoover Bosman Jr. He also calls him Chuck. My daddy. The greatest and strongest man I know. My hero. I love you, Pop.